Hare Krishna. Uh, oops. Welcome to our Sunday Bhagavatam class. Uh, very interesting verses today, as always. So, <coughs> Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Today we begin with uh oops, I'm gonna go back to where we started. I was looking at the uh verses. Uh one thirteen fifty-one. First canto, chapter thirteen, text fifty-one. Dhritarastruk Sahabratra Gandaryas Chasubharyaya Dakshinaina Himavata Rashinam Rashinamashamangata. So Dhritarashtra Saha, together with Bratra, his brother, who is Vidura, Dhritarashtra with his brother, Gandharyacha, and with Gandhari, Gandhari, his wife, Svavaryaya, which means with his wife. Varya, it's interesting. Uh, in Sanskrit, a common word for husband is Bharata, which literally means the maintainer the one who maintains and then the wife is a uh, common word for wife is parya which means the one who is to be maintained so that was the natural relationship and that the husband has to provide for his wife because wives are often very busy with um taking care of their children So, Dakshinena Himavata on the south side of the Himalayan mountains, Himavata. Um, Dakshina means, is an interesting word. It also means the right, like right and left. So, Dakshina means the right. So, if you're facing east, it's funny because these words in Sanskrit are sort of calculated from facing east toward the sunrise. So if you're facing east, then your right hand is to the south. And so that's why Dakshina means, uh, it means right in terms of right and left. It means right, but it also means south. So on the south side of the Himalaya mountains, Rishinang uh, Ashramam Kataha. So Dhritarashtra with his brother and his wife, he has gone to a re an ashram of rishis. This is also an important point that when we hear about kings at the end of their life uh, going off into the forest, Vanaprastha, and so on, uh, they didn't just go into the wilderness. Because if you're not trained to live in the wilderness, you're probably not going to survive. And so there were ashramas, there were 
places you would go that would that specialized in um, taking care of or facilitating vanaprastas. And so they knew all the rules of vanaprastha because in the Bhagavatam and, and other literatures, there are all kinds of rules. If you're a vanaprastha, you do this, you don't do that, and so on. So they knew all that. And also, you go out of the forest, how do you feed yourself? You have to know, you have to go to some place where there's a food supply. You can say, well, you know, you can just become a yogi and eat leaves or forest fruits, but even though some of them are poisonous, some of them are not. So uh, where do you get water? So they, there were vanaprastha um, facilities or communities that's uh, specialized in receiving and training uh, and helping Vanaprastha. So um, Dhritarashtra, his wife and brother, they went to a Rishi's ashram for that purpose. The next verse is Shroto B Saptavir Javai. So uh, this is the word srotas, which uh, Prabhupada translates as a current. And so this verse refers to what was a, the current or bed of a river. Um, so um, here it said, Javai Sordhuni Saptadhabhyadat. Swarduni, the heavenly river, is a reference to the Ganga, the Ganges. And uh, so there's a place, and apparently back then it was a very famous place where uh, the Ganges sort of uh, became Saptadha, sevenfold by seven currents. So in other words, there was a place up in the mountains up in, in the Himalaya region where the Ganges sort of by the natural topography divided into seven streams and then of course came together again and so that was a well-known place which was called it says here that that, that it was called Saptasrotak seven currents so that was a place you could say I'm going to seven currents and it, the Ganges divided herself uh, for the pleasure of seven great sages. So each one had their own little Ganga. And so many people call that place Saptasrota, seven currents. So the, uh, the three, Dhritarashtra, Vidura, and Gandhari went to a famous, a well-known place uh, of sages. So, Snatwanu Savanang, this is text 53, Snatwanu Savanang Tasmin Udwachag Ninyatavidi of Aksha Upashanta Ma Saaste Bigataishanaha. So, Dhritarashtra there would bathe Tasmin in that, in, in seven currents, Saptasurutas. Uh, he would bathe anusavanam, 
which Prabhupada translates three times regularly, morning, noon, and evening. Sevanam. And so Anu Sevanam means following the Sevanam. And Sevanam means pressing. It refers to the great fire sacrifices, which are uh, accompanied by the hymns of the Rig Veda, the great Vedic fire sacrifices, where uh, this is the Soma sacrifice. And so there was a plant which they would, the sages would procure up in the mountains and they would, like you may have seen the sugarcane press where they put the sugarcane stalk and there's a wheel that goes around and presses out the juice. So that's seven. There was a pressing out of the soma rasa, the, the nectar of the soma plant, which was used in the Vedic sacrifice. And that pressing for this Vedic sacrifice took place three times a day, morning, noon, and evening. And so Anu Sevanam, following the pressing, in other words, uh, regularly, um, came to mean just uh, in general three times a day, originally used for the word came from the idea of pressing out the Soma Rasa. So Snatwa, so that means that just as we chant uh, Gayatri three times a day. So those three times uh, they would bathe. They would bathe there in the river because remember they're in seven currents. So the Ganga flows there. So they would bathe three times a day. If it's summer, that's very pleasing. If it's not summer in the mountains and you bathe three times a day, that can be quite challenging. And then, so bathing in that way, Hutwa, Chagnin, and offering into the fires. So fire here is plural, Agnin, fires, which means there were various sacrificial fires. Sometimes they were for the, the devas, some uh, a fire for the forefathers, and a fire for earth. So Yatavidi, according to the rule. So again, they are in an ashram of sages. The sages are expert in these things. And so they would make their offerings and they would bathe strictly according to the prescribed procedure. And Abhaksha, Dhritarashtra, would uh, simply take water. So it was a very austere life. His meals, in a sense, were water. And Upashantatma, uh, and so he, he began to become very peaceful. Dhritarashtra during his life was seldom peaceful. He was always ambitious, always trying to get things for his sons. And, you know, in the midst of all this political intrigue, so he did not have, Dhritarashtra did not have a peaceful life. So considering who we're talking about, uh, it's significant here to describe that he became peaceful. So finally, at last, he, he became peaceful. And Saaste, he stayed there. Bigata uh, Aishanaha, free of Aishana. Prabhupada translates his thoughts in relation with family welfare. Aishana in general just means a, a, a desire, a very strong desire, like you really want something. So Dhritarashtra, as we know, had these 
really terrible ambitions. He knew what he should do, but often didn't do it, often didn't do what was right, what he knew to be right, because he had such strong attachment to his son. In a sense, you could say that because Dhritarashtra, although he was the firstborn uh, legally from Pandu, but he never really became a king because he was blind. So we can imagine all the attachment to his son becoming the king. And you can see how Dhritarashtra thinks that, well, I was the firstborn and my son is the son of the firstborn. So even though technically or by Dharma, the sons of Dhritarashtra did not have a right to the throne, but on an emotional level, Dhritarashtra was very attached to that idea. But now he's actually becoming free from all these desires that sort of haunted and almost ruined, ruined his life. Of that. Then text 54, Jitasano Jita Shasa. So Jitta means conquered. It's the same word as Jaya, which means victory. So Jitta means conquered. So Jitasano. And, and actually, it's we would translate it today. Ashamed to master, like he mastered the asanas. So it's very good. We don't hear about Dhritarashtra practicing asanas or yoga before, but he mastered them. Jitasana, Jitashasaha, he conquered or mastered his breathing. So he's a serious student. He's he's taking this very seriously, his Vanaprasta life. And Pratyahrita Shadindriyaha. Shadindriya means the six senses. That means including the mind. Manakshastani Indriyani. Krishna explains in Bhagavad Gita that when we speak of six senses, it means the five senses plus the mind. And Pratyahrita is obviously cognate, basically the same word as Pratyahara, which is the fifth stage of Ashtanga Yoga. Ahara means sort of uh, taking in and prati means counter so instead of taking in you're kind of pushing out and so Dhritarashtra um, pushed back against all these sense impressions in other words he was not concerned anymore with what his senses were reporting to him telling him about the external world so pratyahrita shadindriya hari bhavanaya this is very interesting. So by meditation in Hari, Dhritarashtra, of course, during his life, didn't exactly act as a great devotee because he often ignored Krishna's advice. So let's look at the word bhavanaya. It comes from the word uh, bhavana which in the relevant sense here means forming in the mind, conception, apprehension, imagination, and specifically the term bhavanaya, which is the instrumental case here of the word, means in thought, in imagination. So even, I mean, a lot of things he didn't do when he was actually on, you know, in Hastanapur, where now he's doing, he's learning the asanas, he's practicing yoga, and he's even meditating on Hari. 
Krishna. So now at the end of his life, he's doing things he should have done when he was younger, but better late than never. So Hari So that way he became free of the contamination of the three modes of nature, passion, goodness, and ignorance. So then text 55, Bijanatmani Sangyoja Kshetra Gye Pravilapyatam Brahmanyadmanamadhare Gatam Bharamivambare. So this is sort of technical meditation jargon or description. So Sangyoja uh, merging into literally his knowing self. So Bijnana, as Prabhupada said, uh, translated often, uh, realized knowledge. So began Atmani in the realized self, in the wise self, in the knowing self. He merged because, I mean, we only have one soul, but still, because of false ego, because of entanglement in this world, like sometimes we say things like, I am hungry. Or I am this, or I am that, or I am male or female. And so we, even though it's not our ultimate eternal self, we, in our practical life in the world, act as other things than pure souls all the time. And so Sangyoja means sort of merging into, absorbing oneself completely into the real knowing self, the wisdom self. And then that's a kshetra gay pravilapyatam. And then Dhritarashtra merged that into the kshetra if you know, chapter 13 in the Gita, the, the field knower, which means, again, uh, the pure soul who is, because one can have wisdom, but one's realization may not be perfect that I'm not the body, although one has a certain wisdom. One may have a partial realization. But here the Kshetra Gye into the, the field north, into the self who really knows the difference between body and soul. So having first gone into the wisdom self, then uh, Jitarashtra merged that into the field knower. And that field knower, the self, the soul, was then uh dedicated to or devoted to or placed in the the absolute truth and so he placed himself in in the absolute adare and adare actually means a container so in the absolute container which is very interesting or in the brahman container which literally I mean, the idea here is that everything is within Krishna, everything is within the spirit, the absolute. And so the example here is that Gatambaram Yvambare. That Gata means a pot, like a clay pot. And Gatambaram means the literally pot sky. I'll explain what that means. I mean, it actually makes sense if you know what they're, you know what they're talking about here. So Ambara, uh, it can mean different things. It also means sky, atmosphere, ether. And so the idea here, which is 
often used in, in analogies or metaphors, is that there is the greater space or the greater sky, but in the pot, there's also sky or space or air in the pot. And so in this case, the idea is the air or the sky or the space in the pot just uh, goes into the greater sky. So does this mean impersonal liberation? Not necessarily. It can just mean realizing and embracing one's qualitative oneness with spirit, with the absolute. So anyway, so the so the self in the uh, he finally Dhritarashtra, like you could say, located himself, replaced himself in the Brahman or absolute container, just like uh, the sky is everywhere, but there's a little portion of sky or space. And, and to get this analogy, you have to understand in a sense that the same word can mean sky or space uh, in the pot. So the, the, the pot sky is just like taking the uh, pot sky and then putting it into the greater sky. So anyway, that's the example here, a little technical. So maybe we'll stop here, uh, short little Bhagavatam class. So let's see, because uh, then starting next time, text 56, and we should definitely finish the chapter next time. We, do, we will have just about four or five verses left. Um, we'll do that next time. So let's see if there are any questions. Um, okay, here's my weekly pastime of looking for questions. Thank you all for your comments, even if I don't say anything, but I appreciate them. Oh, Ladini Shakti's here, my Krishna. Uh, let's see. So far, no questions. Um, so Radha Kanta, Radha Kanta, translating from Spanish, uh, where should we focus intelligence, the moments in which uh, we find ourselves facing a so-called or supposed conceptual ambivalence presented by Krishna? We should focus our intelligence on getting good advice so we can understand what Krishna is saying. Oh. So, uh, Priyahita, please explain for the devotees what it means to be a Vanaprastha in this modern time. Iskand, well, what it doesn't mean is to go to the forest and find a Vanaprastha specialist and just, you know, dress in tree bark and all that. I hope we understand that's not what we do in this age. What it really means is, that when you're when you're a grihasta, you have so many duties. It's you know you're responsible for the lives of children, which is a heavy, heavy responsibility. 
and you have to raise kids, you need a house, you got to take care of the house. And it's, there's a lot of stuff to do to maintain a family. It's, it's, it, it's tiring and it takes a lot of time. So the idea of Vanaprasta is that when your children are at an age when they can reasonably be expected to take care of themselves, and one has the freedom to downsize, to use the modern term, to simplify one's life, you know, radically simplify one's life and really focus on direct devotional service to Krishna. So that's really, I think, the essence of it. Oh, here's one from Ananda Leela. Despite a lifetime, my God, it just jumped. It's not me. Despite a lifetime of material goals, it seems that Dhritarashtra was able to reach what Prabhupada called highest perfectional development of spiritual identity. How long did Dhritarashtra take to reach this stage? Is it reasonable to expect that we can live a not so pious life and still be this focused on spiritual activities in our old age? Uh, is it reasonable? No, it's not reasonable. Uh, in one sense, because Dhritarashtra is participating actively in Krishna Leela, he's seeing Krishna all the time. So, of course, we're seeing Krishna all the time in the form of pictures and deities, whether temple deities or household deities. So, at the same time, there are cases where someone was entangled, but then at the end of life, realizing that his, his or her life was ending, there are cases where people have become very serious and um, really dedicated themselves to Krishna. So I would say we shouldn't bank on that. We shouldn't depend on that. But um, still, when the opportunity comes, when the children are grown, we should eagerly take advantage to get to really strongly uh, focus on our spiritual life. Uh, so I see many Vedantas translate most of the Bhagavatam and use all terms referring to Krishna, God, as self. Whereas comparing it to Prabhupada's versions, it says Supreme Personality of God. And why do you think they do that? Well, in a sense, they're giving a more literal translation. The Supreme Personality of Godhead is a fascinating term. And uh, Godhead, I think, comes from Christian theology, that term, because they had their whole Trinity thing. And so kind of like the whole corporation, the whole divine corporation. But... So as we know, there's Krishna, and he has many expansions. There's the original form of Krishna, he has many expansions. And so if you mean, so in a sense, Godhead can be taken to mean Krishna in all of his expansions. And so Godhead is a lot easier to say than Krishna in all of his expansions. And of course, Supreme Personality, Prabhupada really wanted to emphasize that God is a person. Um, so, uh, 
often you'll find people that want to translate in a, you could say in an external sense, in a grammatical sense, more literally, whereas Prabhupada explains what the words ultimately mean. So, Prigita uh, again, is it recommended to devotees around 60 to 65 to be of honor prasada? Yes, unless, unless you had children very late in life. So it's um, if by the age of 60 or 65, or even earlier, depending on if you have children, when you had your children, I would just say as soon as possible, according to your practical situation, one should focus on spiritual life. So Jagat Palana, Krishna says the soul is nilipyate. How can Dhritarashtra do it? Uh, I'm not sure exactly what that question means. Uh, Jagat Palana, maybe you could, yeah, it's not clear to me what you mean. So, Claudia uh, Monteagudo, Peter Rastra didn't have any consequences after all the harm he caused. That's a very good question, actually. That's <laughs> a very interesting question. Dritta uh, Rastra was sort of a you know, passive villain in the sense that he allowed all kinds of bad things to happen, things that he could have and should have stopped. So as far as consequences, um, yes, absolutely. I mean, imagine losing a hundred sons. I mean, all of his sons were killed. That's pretty tough love. So he lost all of his sons. I mean, to lose one son is, is so devastating. And to lose a hundred sons, we can't imagine how much on the external platform of suffering that was. Of course, we understand that Dhritarashtra is taking part in Krishna Leela, therefore it's a type of theater. But still, uh, in human terms, to lose 100 sons is, and we know how Dhritarashtra was so attached to them, especially uh, Duryodhana. And then he, he, um, he had nowhere to go, at least after the war. He thought he had nowhere to go. And so he and, and he was living in the same place. He was living there with Bhima, who killed all of his sons. Bhima killed all of his sons. And then Dhritarashtra just stayed there and had to live at the cost of the person who killed all of his sons. So that was... I mean, I can just say I would not want to go through all that, my God. So I would say he did, he did, he was given a lot of suffering. So Radha Madhava in the Bhagavatam, I can't believe it just did that, it just jumped on me. It's not my fault. In the Bhagavatam, the kings and sages got many blessings in practicing austerities, etc. How much are we compromising our personal spiritual life, our community and social life by neglecting our meditation on chanting the holy name? That's another interesting question. Uh, compromising our personal... Yes, if we don't... No, as you put it, 
if we neglect our meditation on chanting the holy name, then yes, all kinds of problems arise from that. And those who don't chant are probably more aware than anyone else of all the trouble that comes in life from not chanting. So we should chant, actually. Um, let's see. Uh, what if family is not conducive to ISKCON? Oh, it's, you have to make a judgment. It depends. How much is it not conducive? Is it really destroying your spiritual life? Or is it just a nuisance? Or is it just something you're not happy about? And what kind of family do you have? Do you have children? And so, you know, the, in every individual case, every, all the factors have to be calculated. So, uh, thank you for those who are sending good wishes. Lilakara, Lilakara, actually. In the purport to verse 53, Sri Prabhupada mentions drinking water only without solid food is also considered fasting. From now on, can we mention to those newer young in Bhakti Yoga in relation to festival days that we can only drink water instead of mentioning the word fast? Uh, yeah, however you want to break the news to people. Um, we, yeah, that's a linguistic thing. We, uh, as far as fasting, we just do the best we can. One time I was with Prabhupada in Los Angeles. We were sitting in his quarters. He was actually taking massage. And he said to a disciple that uh, if it's difficult for you, for your body to fast on fast days, then you can eat fruit. Uh, so, um, What is vanaprastha? It means uh, a couple stays together, but they focus on spiritual life instead of child raising. Uh, Jagat Palan in the 13th chapter, Krishna says, the soul does not do anything, is not entangled. How could Dhritarashtra merge? Um, <laughs> that's a very interesting question. I'll tell you where that question is coming from. There's a verb, lip spelled L-I-P, like the English word, uh, which means to be stained, to be contaminated, defiled, polluted. And so what Krishna says in the verse that was quoted from Bhagavad Gita, uh, 13, well, the chapter that was quoted, that the soul is not acting because if you understand you're not your body, then you understand that you personally on two grounds. Number one, we're not the body. Number two, we're just following Krishna's orders. So in that sense, it's not like I go out and do something because I want to do it. And uh, Nilipyate is not contaminated. So um, did Rastra follow these principles? And that's it. So thank you all very much for participating. And uh, I hope you all have a very good week in Krishna consciousness. <laughs>